0: It's time for more blood, sweat, and popcorn. I'm your host, John. This week, we get exceptionally bloody as we tackle the 2001 Hughes Brothers film, From Hell, starring Johnny Depp, Heather Graham, Robbie Coltrane, and Ian Holm. My friend Jocelyn is my guest this week, and we had a great discussion covering the crime and noir aspects of this film, as well as some of the romance. Jack the Ripper has become such a cultural villain, known the world over for his crimes. It was a lot of fun exploring the hypotheticals of his motivation and the determination of the authorities attempting to stop him. As always, find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at BSP Film Podcast to stay up to date with the show. Drop a rating, leave us a comment, but in the meantime... Put down the opium, grab a bag of grapes, or even some popcorn, and let's chat from hell. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. They call it a shark, not the shark. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Wake up. We're at
1: tonight's entertainment. Get some serious gourmet. Shoot! I'm funny how? I mean funny like I'm a clown. you You're gonna do something or just stand there and bleed. That for a slice of fried gold. Here's Johnny!
0: Alright, welcome back, folks. From Hell. From Hell. From...
2: (laughs) Welcome back from Hell?
0: Welcome back from Hell. This is a, uh... This is an interesting, interesting movie because there have been a lot of movies based on Jack the Ripper. And, I don't know, this one seems pretty wholly original. Granted, it's going off Alan Moore's graphic novel of the same name. But let's talk about From Hell. Let's do. Let's, <laughs> yeah, great idea. I'm here for it. So, what are what are your, um? you think about, like, all the the lore that's surrounding Jack the Ripper and how it was never really it was it was a case that was never solved but also it was a case that has just encapsulated the imaginations of so many people for the last oh god 140 almost 130 some odd years
2: yeah math I
0: Ma- <laughs> maths are hard
2: maths are hard
0: and but, you know, it's, this movie is so much fun because it, it takes enough liberties to be original, but also it kind of respects the history um, in some ways. In some ways it takes very uh, ambitious leaps, and but, you know, it's still pretty fun to watch. You know, I watched this movie recently before we sat down to talk about it, and I, I kind of forgot about this movie. where well, I never forgot about it, but I forgot what was really involved in it. And uh, you have Johnny Depp. This is before Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah, This is a pre... And also Robbie Coltrane, who plays the uh, his little detective buddy. Or not detective, but his... Um, Inspector. The sergeant. The sergeant ah, that kind of yes. helps him out. Before uh, his Harry Potter days is Hagrid. Mm-hmm. So at this time, at this point in his career, I'd only known him or saw him in James Bond, GoldenEye. He's one of the... Russian guys um so yeah and then Heather Graham Heather Graham was pretty prominent in this time she was late 90s she just done uh Austin Powers The Spy Who Shagged Me right and yeah. uh she'd done Boogie Nights those she are her did. big high profile gigs and and then you have Ian Holm and this yeah. is before Ian Holm was known for his um Bilbo Baggins role in Lord of the Rings so it yeah. was quite a cast here in this, in this so. film yeah and uh you know right at the turn of the century 2001 i mean this this is also right before or right after 911 yes. so this kind of time stamps this movie when it came out of course the movie had already wrapped and been probably been edited and finished before 911 happened but that's just for a reference of time uh, how long it's been it's it's been a, a bit
2: yeah. and
0: and, but, you know, I, I, so I watch it again, and I still think it kind of holds up um, for what, you know, it's this detective piece. It's this, you know, you have your own th- feelings. I do, yes. On, on that. But, you know, I, I'll say that it's, um, it's not out of Johnny Depp's depth of character study that he's, you know, he's pretty used to at this point. He's done some pretty unusual unconventional roles before this he's done
2: edward you know, scissorhands Edwards. i was just gonna say yeah.
0: edward scissorhands you know he's um what else has he done Crybaby. cry baby yeah yeah he he had a, a good running profile of of really good works where you know your a-lister would would probably wouldn't touch That were other leading men would probably go for like the rom-com with a big action movie or whatever but this is these interesting character studies and historical dramas and that require a character to be really different from who you are you know Johnny Depp for all things about Johnny Depp that you may or may not like this is one thing I'd say will always be in his favor he's he's taken a lot of risks as as an actor and uh you know he definitely he definitely slips into an english accent very very <laughs> effectively He does, yes. To the point, when I see him in TV interviews and talk shows, he talks, he still has, you can tell he's American, but he has a little bit of a lilt in his voice that lends itself to some sort of maybe desired accent.
2: So it's something, uh, they used to call it a mid-Atlantic accent back in the the 20s uh, to the 40s, where it's literally like halfway between the American and the the british accent of which they try to cultivate in the golden years you know on the silver screen where they talked a bit more poshly um ah, so i think that's okay. that's the realm in my perspective that he falls into
0: and you know so at the opening shot of this movie or opening sequence of this movie it's you don't really see his face you just see the opium to the pipe i mean you found out later that it, it is opium, or Chasing the Dragon. Chasing the Dragon, and, and, and but it cut. It opens right into you know we're in Whitechapel, little district in East London, and it's 1888. And any uh, scholars or his, historians of true crime know this is the ripe time frame for Jack the Ripper, a name that he did not give himself, but was later bestowed to him upon. Some journalist, I think, they kind of, they, they penned that in an article or something, and they kind of just took off like wildfire from there. And I think, I want to say, uh, there's been lots of hoaxes of people confessing to be Jack the Ripper. Right. But I think the, the, the history goes that the real Jack the Ripper finally just kind of adopted it. Like, oh, yeah, sure, that's me. I'm Jack the Ripper. But we had that great quote. Remember that great quote in the beginning?
2: That he gave birth to the 20th century.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of curious what that statement means. What does it mean? That statement mean to you?
2: I think that the person, if it was Jack the Ripper, um, means that he was ushering in a whole new, like, either cultural norm or expectation or or something. Because I think that he he also realized or the person that wrote the quote also realized that the police and the inspectors had to change their whole way of thinking and perceiving in order to solve crimes. So maybe, maybe the author thought, you know what, I'm cultivating ingenuity by doing terrible deeds.
1: Did they come to you, sir, as a loyal mason? Did they ask you to help them cover up the prince's secret marriage? That's how it started, yes. And then you discovered the Prince had syphilis. He's going to die of it, Inspector. Would you like a tour of the syphilis wards? Your physician, in ordinary to the Queen. Entrusted with the well-being of the heir to the throne. Only you had reason to believe that these unfortunates, these whores, these traitors, destroyed your life's work.
3: Below the skin of history are London's veins. These symbols, the mitre, star, even someone as ignorant and degenerate as you can sense that they course with energy and meaning. I am that meaning. I am that energy. (laughs) One day, Men will look back and say, I gave birth to the twentieth century.
1: You're not going to see the twentieth century.
0: And yeah, it's an interesting perspective, and I think that, you know. the police definitely had to evolve their tactics and their procedures because I think at that time frame, and especially in London, you know, it it reflects in the film a little bit. And I think in some of the historical uh, texts written about the time where the savagery of these crimes that Jack the Ripper committed were initially thought to have been done by someone like a butcher or a tradesman or some lower form of human life, if you will, and it couldn't have been done by someone um, of higher class. But yet, the evidence clearly was dictating and suggesting a man of—probably a man—of education, of intelligence. Um, you know, he had money. You know, the whole thing with the grapes was a good little bit, little bit there where, you know, we think—we don't really think of that these days. Like, you can go into any grocery store today and buy all the damn grapes you want. But, like, back then when— you know that's a luxury
2: yeah they were really hard to come by
0: you know and so just certain things
2: where are you going to find fresh fruit in the heart of london and the you know
0: i don't know the- i wasn't there so <laughs> <True. Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> but um but what i really liked about this film was and we'll, and we'll get more into it as we go through it but was the whole the whole freemason you know like cross connection and how they kind of let it kind of happen. They knew that this guy was committing these crimes and it was for a certain purpose and and yet we have so that's why the uh, the police commissioner in his antiquated way of thinking is telling Johnny Depp's character like, oh, it's probably some scum, it's no way an educated man kind of like to throw him off the case, throw him off the trail
2: or to discourage him most thoroughly.
0: Yeah, and then the whole thing with the Jews, right. r- cuz I was re- reading a, or reading. I was watching a a documentary about Jack the Ripper. Mhm. And that cuz all that happened in real life, the the chalk on, on the wall. Yeah. This said, what does it say?
2: Like no Jews will be uh what's it called? blamed in this crime, but it was it was stated in a very uh, rudimentary way,
0: right? And so the quote is: "The Jews are the man uh, Christ. The Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing." Okay. And so, and also, you got to remember, like Jews, even then, well, always been they were always persecuted. persecuted. Yeah. And so, and Whitechapel had a healthy number of Jews, Jewish people in in the community, but Jews was spelled in a way. That didn't, it wasn't for the, it wasn't meaning them. Yeah, it was I remember. spelled J U W E S.
2: Right. I remember it was intentionally spelled, spelled. Right. Uh, incorrectly. Um,
0: so but it, I, I never really. Well, in the context of, of, you know, the film, it wasn't, it was talking about the enemies of the Freemasons. Mm, mm-hmm. So not the Jewish people. I see. But the enemies of the Freemasons, and so, um, and the fabric of the Freemasons, you know, were it was being contested, because the um, while the Freemasons had a lot of power, the Queen of England's nephew was had a, assumed a, a secret identity, married a, a, a prostitute
2: legally,
0: right? Legally, mm-hmm. and had a child and therefore that child would become heir to the throne. Yes. It will in some in some capacity would be
2: right in line
0: in, in line yeah. somehow. And uh, so and of course the witnesses is of course this is just the the from hell version of things but those those the witnesses were those five women who were targeted by the ripper.
2: They were uh, witnesses just, just at the, the at, wedding. Yeah, at the wedding so they all knew but
0: but they didn't know that it, he was—he was, was just Albert to, yes. to them. Like they had no idea. It was the grandson, not the nephew, right? The grandson.
2: I, I want to say it was grandson. Yeah,
0: grandson of reigning Queen Victoria. Mm-hmm.
2: So another thing about class, which is interesting, and it's—it's it's a nuance of the film, is we're talking about how well Johnny Depp adopts a British accent. But if you notice and you're familiar with accents of the era and of the area, he speaks with a Cockney accent, which is considered low class. Mm-hmm. So when he's talking to the, the head guy that's like, yeah, whatever.
0: The commissioner. He's
2: yes. also looked at as one step above the vagrants in the streets because of the way he speaks and where he's from. He's seen by his higher ups as un- uneducated trash. Yeah. Because of his humble
0: beginning. He doesn't have an an affluent background. No. And, yeah, so his words are taken with a grain of salt. Yep. I'm waiting for the police surgeon's report for more
1: details. I
3: see. Well, one thing's for certain. An Englishman didn't do it. Maybe one of these. Red Indians wandered into Whitechapel and indulged his natural inclinations.
1: With all due respect, sir, I believe this was done by someone with at least a working knowledge of dissection. Either an educated man, such as a doctor, I An mean, educated or
3: man? That's preposterous. No well-bred man would do this. Probably a tradesman or a
1: butcher. A tradesman is a possibility, sir, yes. There's a strong indication against it. There was a sprig of grapes found under her body. What are you driving at? No one in Whitechapel, no matter what their trade, could afford grapes. Obviously, they were given to her by the killer. And it follows that he must be someone with money. What
3: about the Jews? A Jew butcher or a Jew tailor might have
1: money. There are plenty of them in Whitechapel. Well, sir, for the sake of public safety in general, I'd like to be careful about spreading the rumors that it might be a Jew, Inspector, I know your reputation for making brilliant
3: guesses that turn out to be right. Someone told me you claim to dream the answers. Frankly, it doesn't matter to me what your methods are, but be certain you don't proceed without proof. Is that clear? Of course.
0: But at the same time, there's enough respect for him between the sergeant and, and and the constables and all the 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 rest of the policemen where they still respect him they call him sir they they acknowledge that you know he he didn't get to inspector from birth like he right. he earned his place what happens when you're right a lot you know but that's the thing like because um his character johnny uh uh johnny depp's character uh what's his name uh, um frederick aberlin 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 he's was a real a real person? Yes. He really worked on the on the case, but he wasn't um, he wasn't a clairvoyant as he's you know fueled by his opium trips. Right. You know he that wasn't his his shtick, but uh, he was a real person. And then I think it's interesting how you know they but they kind of use the opium thing as a a device. You know, like and I wonder if that's because he got so many lucky. Guesses correct because of his visions. That's why he got so high up on on, in the pecking order of the police.
3: Hmm.
0: Maybe or maybe he he was just a hard worker too and just knew how to detect. You know, it's open for interpretation. I feel, but that's again that's where we first meet Giant Depp. We see his face. He's rolling over. He's just blowing out some smoke. He is just stoned out of his mind. I like how the sergeant. You see you see to find out come to find out that the sergeant has a lot of respect for him and patience for him but when you first see him he kind of just slaps him like get up you know right basically he had, had to give him a little tough love to get him get him crack and get him sprung up to get started on the case because you know he he was the person I guess in the area of of London that would have to fall in on these on these investigations because they're Especially heinous. Right. And it's almost kind of in his wheelhouse to kind of crack the code on some of these awful crimes. And
2: it's just And he doesn't seem to have any squeamish tendencies towards it too. He just gets right in there and Oh yeah, we
0: have that unlike that um the the, the corner The autopsy fella. Yeah, he's yeah. just a big wuss. He <laughs> just so squeamish he's like ah
2: and he wretches right there and then yeah.
0: But no Johnny Depp's character, his inspector is like okay, Johnny Depp's character is able to kind of turn off a little bit and kinda of just be more objective and just kinda of like, okay, victim is missing some such organs, I think. Right. They're missing more. Okay, this is this is not a act of passion, this is methodical, you know, and I think that's what a good detective makes is having that skill set of being able to be objective and not get too labored down by squeamishness right and what have you so so
2: so yes next uh next what are we moving on to so um yeah i mean uh so when we meet detective Aberline and having the nods in the uh the opium den he had just had a vision of a woman that had been murdered um and that. You know, one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is, "They used to burn men like you," and uh, that's mm-hmm. when his sergeant, you know, gets gets up and gets going. And it turns out that the vision that he had wasn't of the first victim in this soon-to-be Ripper case, right? Um, but he notices things uh, about the scene, as uh, such as laudanum can be smelled on the lips of the victim. Laudanum is an opioid derivative that c- that is you know, ingested by drinking it, Mm -hmm. and the sprig of grapes first makes its appearance uh, under the first body.
0: Right. So this was, um, you know, this kind of takes a... uh... This is Annie.
1: Yes. Another of the Circle of Friends. Annie Chapman. Dark Annie, they called her. You still say this isn't the Nichols boys? The constable will show you the bit of leather they found down by the water spout. Could be part of a butcher's apron. Leather apron. Dear God, we could be looking for a butcher after all. I saw her. This one? Yeah, last night. I saw her face. There's your typical Londoner, imbued with a Christian spirit of sympathy for his fellow man. Or fellow whore in this case. He's really outdone himself this time, hasn't he? He not only severed the intestines, he's carefully ranged them around the neck and shoulders. I think he's taking more organs this time.
0: Prince repeat kind of course of action where the detective gets a little further down the road. A victim gets killed. A little further. Victim was killed. It's kind of like a breadcrumb trail where he finally pieces it all together despite the evidence not always making sense, despite the commissioner telling him to go fly a kite, even kicking him off the case at one point. You know, despite the, the hostility that Heather Graham's characters, character and her cohort of prostitute characters, you know, they give him a lot of crap because, like, you can't protect us. You can't even... Why should we listen to you and help you? Right. So despite all that, he finally puts the puzzle together. And it's, it's you know, talking about class, it's, it's, it really takes a good look at how the rich, in a way, kind of always protect themselves. It's a very, uh, you know, we have to maintain our integrity of the group of either the, either the Freemasonry or just the upper class, period.
2: At the cost of the unfortunates, yeah, that,
0: the the unfortunates,
2: which is what they called prostitutes back in the day.
0: Because God forbid they call them whores, right?
2: <laughs> well, honestly, uh, when we're talking about this as being a horror movie, um, the murder scenes and the the what you see of the uh, the dead bodies to me is not terrifying as the when when uh, they start showing uh, the new. Procedure of lobotomization.
0: Yeah, that's one thing I wanted to talk about too. But go ahead, go ahead. That was
2: so. I think that the this is probably going to sound just dark and twisty, but I think the way the murder scenes were shot were so beautiful because it used sound and flashes of light rather than you know the Tarantino just blood, 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 blood. Um, it left more to the imagination. And then you you know you find out in later scenes what damage was inflicted on this 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 creature, but showing a, a medical procedure done against a patient's will that will forever alter their their way of thinking to me is far more terrifying than than a ripper.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of reminded of uh, that movie Shutter Island a bit, where they you know lobotomize people and attempt to subvert. Violent uh, un- tendencies. unwanted behavior, yeah, and yeah, that's it's barbaric, like in, from hell. How they kind of like tap the, the ch- they kind of chisel in, yeah, with a tool into someone's brain, that's supposed to like cure them of with a simple procedure, of, no more violent tendencies or whatever the, the their problem was. And but going back to your point of the the murder scenes as they as they occur, you don't really see much. A lot of it is left to the imagination, and as, as, but if you, if you notice, if you walk, go back and watch the as they progress, you see more and more.
2: Right, just a little bit more light. You still,
0: mostly, you just see like him hunched over the body, back to the camera, right. and he's like, like he's like like he's mixing spaghetti sauce or something. Right. You don't know what he's doing, but it sounds ver- the the, the Foley artist was had done a, had a field day making all those sound effects, <laughs> but um, but yeah, so. And it's it's such a weird setting to have where it's everything is so dirty in this town. everyone's so gross and grimy looking. <laughs> and for I'm sure from historical context, that's probably right on the money. You know, because London you,
2: wasn't known to be the uh, most clean of cities, especially back in the day.
0: I mean, um, and also you think about like the type of neighborhood where it's very low class. And, yeah. You know, it's you know people are just trying to live like fuck I mean, if i had a bath once a month hey life's great but i had to have food every day and and that goes back to um these prostitutes they're trying to trying to just eat trying to make a living with the oldest profession that they know what they know that they can do and and of course the uh what was it the the brothers the um who were the brothers the, the nickel the, boy the nickel boy band, gang, or whatever, who were... They're pimps, essentially. Basically, like, giving them protection, but they're terrible fucking people. They are. And and because they... They're such a prominent force that uh, the police are hesitant to move against them, right. especially without any kind of strong testimony or strong witnesses. Um, and I, I... But I call it back to that scene where the, the hidden prince, as it were, is he's with his, his wife. Yeah. And they come in, they storm in, they grab him. They grab her. And grab her. Um, Luckily, like the baby was whisked off by the prostitute, sent to the...
2: Babysat so that they could have some mommy-daddy time, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I, I never really understood that scene. What, who were they looking for?
2: When they came in and grabbed her? Yeah. They were looking for her? So afterwards, okay, the, the way... So it had been found out by presumptively the crown queen victoria Mm -hmm. that albert had legally married um this woman right uh, and had a baby well the crown arrested them uh because prince albert had uh, syphilis and they sort of put him away in a, a a facility to care for the syphilis but then they went ahead and interrogated the blonde woman that was his wife saying who else knows who else knows about this wedding that took place and at that point she didn't know he was the prince that's when she learned that he was the prince um so they interrogated her and under force of like torture and of course you know intense manipulation as it were got the information that these prostitutes her friends were all present at the at the wedding and that's why this ripper started targeting mm-hmm. the witnesses. So, but uh, and Baby Ellis had been taken; their their child was taken um, into an orphanage, so that under a pseudonym, so that nobody knew that this was Prince Albert's child. It was a little crazy.
0: Yeah, that's uh, it's, it. Was kind of a not convoluted plot, but it it, it I think it, they kind of tried to. Go off a lot of assumptions, or people kind of would pick up on things. Um, some of the stuff it could have been explained a little better, I feel. Um, but it wasn't. It definitely wasn't a bad a bad take on the story. Uh, I like, and I like kind of gave some sort of motivation for the Ripper, like he was basically like this um, kind of kind of a hitman almost. For the queen,
2: yeah. Yeah,
0: like it was kind of interesting, and she like not directly. She wasn't ordering hits out on people, but. In a way that he was working on that whole behalf,
2: right. for, for
0: the greater good almost. And but I
2: think he liked it, man. But he, but he totally he was liked into it,
0: it because he kept hallucinating while he was doing it. And you know, I mean, it takes a certain type of mind to really invest in that kind of work. And th- did you did you uh, um, upon watching this movie for the first time, did you have any inkling that it was Ian Holm the whole time as the Ripper, or because they set up some red herrings with the younger the younger doctor as 'Cause he's all kind of, that younger doctor character was always kind of like, Yeah, kinda of, he's kinda of like yeah. rough and kind of like doesn't like Johnny Depp and all these things.
2: You know, I don't I've loved this movie for so long. I don't remember what I thought when I first watched it. Fair. Um, but I don't think that it occurred to me if I'm thinking about the whole film, I I don't think it occurred to me until after Johnny Depp went and saw him for like a second time. And then they really started talking and he sort of, you know, don't, don't pay attention to my withered hand. And he, he was doing that, you know, what was the the movie, um, the usual suspects, how verbal,
0: like oh yeah, twisted
2: himself up to make himself seem more feeble and incapable of crime. Sure. You know, after listening to their conversations, I'm like, you know what? I'm not sure if he's as disabled as he'd like Johnny Depp to believe he is. So... Um, I think there were some tells, but I think they did a really good job at, at keeping it cloaked until later on, where you're supposed to make these ties where, you know, this gentleman is the queen's personal physician. Yes. And then, you know, the queen has a grandson dying of syphilis that he got because of his propensity to entertain prostitutes and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So there's there's nuggets that are sort of dropped throughout the movie that mm-hmm. that tie it together more, but again, it's like you don't pick it up until like the second and third time you watch it.
0: Fair. Mm. Okay. What do you think about Johnny Depp's approach to the character of Inspector Aberleen?
2: I think it's interesting. It's definitely his wheelhouse to be the brooding noir poor fella that's, you know um it's <laughs> I think it's it's akin to his his uh Sweeney Todd, you know upset about losing a, a a wife and a child, but carrying out the the grief in a far different way. Sure. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So he, he immersed himself in work and opium to try and, you know, just stave off the, the pain of losing his wife and child.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely he's, you can definitely tell he's coping a lot, um, but I also think he because you get a taste for success with using the opium, he's very open and accepting of it, and welcomes it. You know, he's he goes to these dens to purposely engage, and imbibe, and like you see when he's taking that bath, he's like drinking the absinthe with the the, the st- sugar cubes the, and the poison yeah. droplets and st- so. But. You know, I, I didn't get the vibe that he was trying to be self-destructive. I forgot the vibe, like he was trying to find new ways to, you know, expand his mind and, and look at, you know, I, I mean, he could have been very he, just he could have been. melancholy and very like, like super hot topic, about all that shit. <laughs> right. And, I think um, he.
2: I think he was especially emo. Um, yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, he's Johnny Depp. He's already right. pretty pretty emo, but. um But as far as like his, him as a, did you buy him as a detective?
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: You know, I I remember um, I I, I was talking to somebody about doing a poll. Who who was a better detective? Inspector Aberline or Ichabod Crane from Sleepy Hollow?
2: You know what? I totally forgot about that until just now. I think that the.
0: I got to do that movie next.
2: That Aberline is a better detective.
0: Why do you say that?
2: Um, the way he engaged, I think that um, the Sleepy Hollow detective was. There's a little too much silliness and comedy sort of thrown in there with it. Hmm. Um, yeah, but I think it was. I mean, kind of supposed to be a kids' movie in a terrifying way.
0: a <laughs> very R-rated kind of. Yes. Well, yeah. I would say Ichabod Crane's giant uh, depths. Ichabod Crane, a little more timid, a little more. Like well, he's he's got great ideas, but he's not as confident. I think that. Inspector Aberline, way more confident. He's, he's stumped right, most of the movie because he's trying to like f- put the puzzle pieces together. But um, he he definitely chambers a lot of Sherlock Holmes-ism. Yes. Ism, and I love that about him. He's very mm-hmm. – people, like, they go to him. He's like the detective who, who's there to wow the audience mm-hmm. because he's so good at what he does. And I think he pulls it off very well. Um, even when like people kind of push him around, they tie him up, they beat him up, they they suspend him. He's still kind of like, I, I'm still going to fucking do it anyway. Right? Like, I don't to he's, do
2: f- he's got a lack of give a shit factor that is just admirable.
0: Yeah. So. And then uh, Robbie Coltrane, who plays the sergeant, who's kind of like his is kind of his bodyguard slash handler. Advocate. Advocate yeah. and
2: handler, I think, is,
0: is yeah. Make sure, hey, get back on track. Come on, mm-hmm. you're you veering off. You get out of the opium. Come on, <laughs> you know. Um, I wouldn't say enabler. He definitely tries to keep him on on the straight and narrow because he knows that there's Robbie Coltrane's character. I'm talking about that is keeps Johnny Depp's character on the straight and narrow because he knows that there's a a job to be done, and he knows that Johnny Depp's character is the one to have has to walk the path to get to the end. Right. Because his police officers are not—they're not there. That's not what their job is.
2: Right. They're just there to, you know,
0: police the citizens as they. I would need say
2: to. distribute parking tickets, but that wasn't really a thing with the horse and buggy. Yeah, but that. just keep
0: the peace because yeah. it, I mean, Whitechapel is a rough neighborhood. Yes, you it know, was. A neighborhood that has such low income, you know, hard living conditions. It's going to have a lot of rowdiness. Oh yeah. And lots of pubs too. Lots of pubs. People got to drink away their sorrows if they can. Rub the two coins together. Yeah. Uh, I like the... There's the the whole uh, imagery exposition about the whole fairy crossing with the coins. Yes. And a lot of coins in this movie, i noticed. Yeah. Coins are like... If you know... I, I was thinking about how many times After you see... After
2: he dropped them on the floor. <clears throat> or yeah, coins
0: make a, a huge... I mean, I get it. That's the currency of the time. Or at least I think so. I don't know if they actually use marked bills or not. But, yeah, the coins... Um, from the the prostitutes, the coins of what the Ripper left, the coins that Giant uh, uh, puts on the the victim, and then later on, it, he held his
2: own. Uh, he had his
0: own coins in his hand. He knew he was going to
2: kill himself. Right. Yeah.
0: And I thought that was that's a good little through line. I feel, and uh, hey, which is
2: why I still argue that this is a romantic movie.
0: Okay. So I hear what you're saying, but tell the audience what you're saying.
2: <laughs> okay, so um throughout the investigation, one of the group of prostitute friends is called Mary Kelly. And who
0: also was a real person.
2: Who also was a real person who was played by Heather Graham. Heather Graham.
0: Who did not survive in real life. She was actually the final victim.
2: Well, according to this movie well, according to this movie. Well, this is a spoiler. So he, he falls in love. Whoops, uh, with her, with uh, Heather Graham's character Mary Kelly, mm-hmm. and what I can dig about it is he was kind of a dick to everybody else but her. So I kind of like, oh, that just that's very sweet, and they they start connecting, on a level where he's like, I understand you, I understand you know who you are and what you want, and I want the same things. Right. Well. You know she says i'm gonna collect baby ellis i'm gonna go back to my seaside village in ireland you know and i'll wait for you and because you find out how deep this you know rabbit hole goes between the nichols boys the police the masons and the crown he was afraid if he ever went to her then he would bring death to her door and instead he decided to stay in london and do himself in with a little too much opium. And I think that's romantic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Conversation over. No, I'm kidding. No, um, I can see that, you know, and um it's so it's so weird that Giant Depp's character, you know, he's he's lived this whole life or this life in London of of solving crimes and being this inspector, this hard-nosed yet. Opium-sucking kind of absent. dude. Absinthe.
2: Absent swilling. absent
0: swilling. And he finds this hooker with a heart of gold. Yes. And all of a sudden, he's like... Well, he doesn't really give up anything, any of his principles. He's He does recognize... I don't know if it's romantic, but it's more like he's considerate of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, <laughs> were they in love or was it an infatuation? Because I think the, the time... The time gap from beginning to the end is very cr- crunched down. It's 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 not like over years, it's over a couple of weeks. Seems like it. A- and um You don't have to worry about Nickel Sheep
1: for at least a week. I can keep him that long. Write something anyway. Thank you? Yeah. What about baby Alice? Are you sure she's all right? Yeah, she's all right. We'll get her out after this is over. We'll get her. Listen, I want you and your friends off the streets until I can sort this thing out. Off the streets for how long? A few days at least. Well, you better throw us in jail then, because we have no money for food and no money for a dos. All right, you take this. Buy some food, get a room, stay there. Don't tell anyone where you're going. I don't want to know. In three days, come to the Ten Bells. I'll leave a message with the barkeep. I wish I could show you the little village where I was born. It's so lovely there. It's by the sea, the way you said you saw me. I used to think it too small to spend a life in, but now I'm not so sure. Don't. What? Do you think I'm paying you back? I didn't mean it as business. I'm still a woman. They haven't taken that away from me, not yet, anyways.
0: But you know, hey, you know, the right person walks in your life, you know, and they didn't have the greatest opening discourse. She was, she was really pissed at him. Yes. You know, and I mean, she's scared for her life. So and. Johnny Depp's character wasn't doing diddly squat to make life's, life better for anybody. So she was in her feelings. But they came around and.
2: Because he talked to her like a human and treated her like a human, not just like a air quotes unfortunate
0: human. Right. A piece of meat.
2: And that went a long way.
0: Yeah. And I like that. I do like the little exchange they had in the, the alleyway, the, t- the two of them, where.
2: She tried to kiss him.
0: And he and he thought it was like her just trying to be all all hoish ish about it. And he was and she's like, No, I'm still a woman, goddammit. Like right.
2: and then he's like, Oh right. You know, yeah. and then, you know, lays one on and that's that's where it started.
0: Well and that's nineteen eighty eight I'm sure that's really romantic, but in twenty twenty that's very sexual salty.
2: Yeah, a little rapey. Well
0: it's a little rapey. I mean we I mean, we can see that she's into it, but he didn't know that, like conclusively. <laughs> I mean wait. No, she tried to did. kiss him first. You she know. did, she did. But he was kind of taking it back because he was like,
2: eh, "Yeah, the pullback would have."
0: Turned I don't know. That. You're kind of a whore. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you're not. Kind of a whore. You're. You a are whore.
0: are a whore. <laughs> I mean, a, a girl's got to eat. Okay. I mean, I'm not a. I'm <laughs> not a woman living in 1800s. True. London. So, I, who am I to say what other what other. Um, possibilities were out there for them. Yes. Um, it seemed very minimal. Yes. This is how it is presented in the film. Very minimal uh, opportunities for, for women. And plus, you know, there was also a time where women were kind of like lower citizens. They, you know, shut your mouth. No one told you to talk.
2: Right, you shut know. up in color and carry on about your day and make some money for the for the gentleman in the neighborhood.
0: Right. And so, yeah, definitely think this film is... is even then, speaking about not only class, but also hierarchy of men and women, you know, where it's outside the queen, because she's a royalty, every other woman in this movie is, everyone else is a prostitute. Right. There's no woman, I don't think there's any woman.
2: I don't think there's any other females. Except for I the children,
0: it. but like, yeah.
2: No, I don't, that's a good point. No, I don't, I don't recall engaging anything other than uh, Queen Victoria in this.
0: Yeah, so, but anyway, so, at the end of the day, Giant Depp saves the day, so to speak. Um, Really, the Freemasons kind of just bring the guy in after he, quote, finishes the job. Right. He ends up killing Ada, who's actually not one of the original group of witnesses. She's just a friend from France who just was unlucky. It was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And... So, anyway, they think they got away with it. Right. But
2: And that was the whole reason why he didn't go to our, in Ireland was to protect that thought.
0: Um, did, did they go to Ireland? I thought she just, went to Ireland. I thought they went to, like, the, the, the coast. Oh, whatever. This,
2: this, there's there's coasts in Ireland, too, with an island.
0: Well, no kidding. But I don't remember them saying go, they were going to Ireland. I thought they were just going to go to the coast.
2: She said she was going back to her seaside village in Ireland. I've watched this. Okay. A timer, I, 100.
0: I'm going to defer to you then <laughs> okay. on the little nuanced details. Okay, so um, what else do you want to add mm. to this? A good little side fact was that the um, a lot of the photos that they are put up were act- the actual photos from the real crime scenes.
2: Okay. When they were like... When they're
0: they're like, you know, trying to map it all together. Yeah. So, the the, red string of. Yeah, the photos of like the sewn together neck and chest. That was all real, the real documented photographs from those crime scenes that actually happened.
2: Right on. Well,
0: I mean. I I mean, if you're going to go for authenticity, look no further than actual crime scene photos. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um.
2: But I like. There's just so many elements. It's a uh, beautifully shot, in my opinion. Um, they use color in a way to, to really, like not only does the score of music intensify, but the color like saturates even more on those those scenes where it's, getting more intense. And then, the dialogue is good, and you know I think just overall it, it's it's beautiful. Um, it- and the going back to the the From Hell uh, graphic novel from Alan Moore and Eddie Campbell, I mean, it's, you know, I think it's a, a pretty good adaptation of the story that they're telling in there, too.
0: Yeah, it was directed by the Hughes brothers. And, you know, the two films I know they did before this one was Menace to Society and Dead Presidents. And I, like, I really enjoyed both of those films, Um I think they're better re- remembered than this one, maybe. I think, but they think they got had high star power because you have Johnny Depp, you have Heather Graham, and you know you could definitely see their touch on this. Because I, I was watching this movie recently, and I was like thinking about what else they've done, what else is in their body of work, and I remember they had done Menace to Society* and they had done *Dead Presidents* and um, some of like the color paletting and and color direction was re- reminiscent of those earlier works and, and how well they did it. Right. You know, it, like you said, it looks beautiful. It was shot very well. And I think the pace of this movie, you know, it, this is a two-hour movie. Right. But I don't feel, I mean, I, if I really got nitty nitpicky with it, I could have lobbed off a few scenes, trimmed up the fat here and there. But really the fat and gristle that, that they left in fits. It flows very, very, very smoothly. And you get a lot of time with Johnny Depp, which I really like. I like watching him
2: interact with folks. Oh, it's
0: it's it's, he's a treat to watch in this movie. Um, In fact, I think everyone does a really good job, Uh, even the even the supporting characters in their little small. They kind of pop in and leave again, like the 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 cab driver or the the carriage driver for Jack the Ripper. Yes. Um,
2: That poor unfortunate soul. yeah, Yeah.
0: Even the the asshole. The Nickel Brothers, Nickel Boy Brothers, and the um, the Police Commissioner, like those are terrible characters, to, but they do such a good job. They
2: really do. They make you like,
0: like de- 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 detest.
2: detest them. Yes.
0: So, but um, so uh, let's talk about the best part of this movie for you. Hmm. Like if you were if you were going to. Pitch this movie to a friend to watch. What's your selling points?
2: So, uh, the, the murder scenes, honestly, (laughs) um, I love the way that the knife, um, is like just, they use light and everything else is darkness, but you see these like moments or seconds of, of, a knife being wielded and then, you know, splashes of this and this, this dark green uh, color is used throughout because it's the same color as the absinthe in the opium den mm-hmm. so like just the those moments of sure of just it's it's sheer art you're not watching it necessarily just for the content of that moment but it's it's very like beautiful and then the opening scene where it just looks like london's on
0: fire yeah just, like, gorgeous i uh you was speaking of like lighting and the use of knife imagery <laughs> even with this like the the surgeon's kit the portable kit that the yeah. he brings around like everything's shining pristine but also the um there's a great shot I think, I forget which victim it was the second victim or the third victim where she's she drops the grapes in the puddle and she sees the light yeah, reflect right from the, the blade yeah. yeah as he approaches her from behind and you see that like, the light flash back into her eyes and it's like oh shit that was fucking cool yes it was a good shot it was a good shot um So you're telling, you're selling your buddies, your girlfriends or whoever, (laughs) hey, come for a giant debt, stay for the blood. Yes, absolutely. And the romance. (laughs) And the romance. And the
2: romance. I think this has something for everybody. It has something for the sociopath, the, um, you know, aspiring doctor, the uh, true romantic that believes that, you know.
0: There's not mutually exclusive people either.
2: Right, So (laughs) there's something for everybody.
0: So we talked about the the lighting and the color palettes mm-hmm. and the acting. Is what else? Is there anything else that you feel really just kind of stays with you once you leave this movie? As far as like its production.
2: Well, I, I had a special um, liking for the setting. I lived in England for about five years. I've been to the Whitechapel area. I've done like all the the Jack the Ripper at night tours, and I, I like that it is still a mystery that we still, you know, they try to close it up and here's your answer in this movie. Right. But in RL, you know, we're walking around and there's still people talking about it to this day. Like, yeah, we don't know what's going on. So could it have been a complete conspiracy theory by the crown? Sure. You know, but we still don't know.
0: Yeah. It's very enticing to, to dwell on and, and discuss and debate. Um, there's been so many like red herrings and ruses and and false leads and all these things that like keep the the pot stirring about Jack the Ripper and it's so it's so fun in a morbid way because everyone likes a good mystery they do you know it, there it's it keeps you interesting because sometimes you just want the answer but like it's like a puzzle you have to open and you just you can't. Um, And it kind of ties back to the human experience to be stupefied and be dumbfounded by what you don't know. Um,
2: But here we are, and now we're in the 21st century, right? And we're still talking about Jack the Ripper, but very rarely do we talk about his victims. So maybe he did give birth to the, the 20th century.
0: It's so funny, like, to go to your point, because how we talked about Jack the Ripper and not his victims. And he, for all his accomplishments, if you will, he he didn't.
2: Let's keep it positive. Accomplishments. It's nice.
0: He only killed five people. That
2: we know of.
0: That we, okay, fair. Um, Five victims were found that had the same.
2: M.O. M.O.
0: at modus operandi, if you will. Are you pretentious (laughs) listeners out there? Thank me later. (laughs) That, 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 were in the same area and over like a 10 week period it was a a short spread of time where you know we have some serial killers since since then who have been operating for years had a higher victim body count Mm -hmm. like John Wayne Gacy had like 30 some odd children boys buried in his cross base. you know but there's something we
2: found out who he is and what he did
0: yeah there's something I'm not going to say it's sexy but it's like it's captivating.
2: It is, a mystery. People want answers. They don't like the. I mean, just
0: keep being like, like even as far as I think two years ago, they were finding new evidence, new DNA trails. They were looking into about about Jack the Ripper. Really? And there, was... <laughs> people were still give a shit about this this fucking dude and the things that he did, mm-hmm. uh, or woman, because it was also rumored he could have been a. It was a woman. Okay. Um, I don't know if there's any or that might have been proven false, or it wasn't enough substantial evidence to 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 run that that lead that way. But you never know, you know, equal opportunity. There but, you go. Um, but as far as this, you know, what are some things about this movie that um, kind of turned you off?
2: I would have liked to see more explanation of certain points, like you said. Um, Because if you only watch it the one time or, you know, I have a strange obsession. This is this is literally like one of my favorite movies. So I I watch it a great deal. Sure. Uh, And I see something new and I learn something new every time I watch it. But I think that there are some some cases that it would have been cool to, you know, learn a little bit more about the visions that Johnny Depp had or, you know, or even the relationship between his sergeant and he and why he decided to, you know, latch on and respect him so, like, much. Right. Um, and maybe a little bit more with him and Mary, you know.
0: I mean, I think I mean, when a movie's already clocking in at two hours, <coughs> <coughs> I definitely think when a movie clocks in at two hours, there's already a lot they probably had to, to trim off. Probably, yeah. There probably is good more 30 more minutes worth of scenes that had to get left on the floor of the editing room because for pacing issues... And I, I agree, like, I would love to have seen more and learned more about some more of the backstory for Johnny Depp, because he did play a pretty, pretty interesting character. Right. Um, but some of that, you know, can be left to the imagination. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think the filmmakers made the, the choice what will service the overall story better. You know, we can get hung up on Johnny Depp or Heather Graham or whatever character, even the, the guy, the Ripper character, the Dr. Goal, who ends up being, quote, the Ripper, um,
2: yeah, that would have been interesting too, because he's he's a special kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, he played it. He, he he didn't play it really all that crazy. He kind of played it straight.
2: Well, if you looked until they used...
0: towards the end, he kind of went off the rails a little bit more.
2: Well, did you notice what they did with his eyes?
0: They like blacked him out. Yeah. Almost. So when
2: when he has having his rages, um, instead of using color, they used lack of color to like really bring you in and he's like a him. hollow
0: person yeah. like he, yeah. just a monster
2: taken over by some sort of demonic <laughs> possession
0: and funny story also I saw this movie in the movie theater when it came out okay I was I just turned 16 and my buddy Alex and I we went to the movie theater and we were going to go see something else um
2: not familiar with that movie
0: so, shut up <laughs> Smart ass. No, we're going to go see another movie. Right. I told my mom, hey, we're going to go. I asked my mom, hey, mom, can I go see From Hell? She's like, no. nah. Actually, you know, it's funny. My mom didn't really have a problem me seeing all rated movies, but there's something about going somewhere else and breaking the law, which I wasn't really doing because actually it's not a law. The ranks are
2: requi- a guidance.
0: Yeah, the ranks are not legal standards. Right. We it's all, a but we treat them as such. Um, <laughs> that aside so i went and we snuck in this movie anyway and my buddy alex his, our, his dad came and picked us up and we're done and we're just chatting about it he didn't his dad didn't give a shit because that's how you know, you know dad's kind of all sure. more lenient yeah. i came home and my mom's like what movie did you go see she, she knew already i'm like yeah it's all from hell she's like damn it john what well, was it good i'm like yeah it was good yeah. she's like all right you know
2: did you have like nightmares or anything did I no you? okay
0: no because at that point i've been watching quote horror movies since i was before i was 10 years old okay i, I had a healthy serving of freddie and jason and all that kind of jaws all right right at the time even at the time contemporary Argento films. Movies and- uh no, no no um about even like the lousy or trashier ones i just and i just enjoyed it like i wasn't a sociopath little kid or anything i just enjoyed i thought they were kind of fun like and i actually have a whole episode on on this on my show the second episode's about horror okay about why we like horror why i like horror a whole lot um you know it's a whole character study no 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 no, no. <laughs> but no it's it's actually really you know horror as a genre really speaks to me a whole lot and I actually feel a lot happier um, because it's, and I explained in my essay, it's a good purging of those feelings, stuff you could, or your your fears and your uneasiness. You can kind of put them on a, on the screen and interpret them that way.
2: Okay,
0: and so it's almost
2: like a video game that you don't have to engage. in.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, you could you could you could put it that way for sure. Um, some people don't like horror movies at all, but it is what it is. Oh, um, but I won't. I won't spoil the rest of that episode for you, you should go check it out. All of you out there, I go love check you. out this All my, of you. My second episode's about why I like horror, why horror is my favorite genre. I recommend it. I wrote it. I love it. <laughs> but um let's talk ratings. We're kind of we're kinda of hitting the hour mark here. Let's let's talk ratings.
2: Okay. A plus.
0: Eight for you? Yes. Okay. Four stars. Yes. Flawless victory.
2: Flawless victory.
0: Man, that means you like everything about this.
2: Pretty much, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. You know, I don't um, I don't get many flawless victories on this show, but uh, I mean, we're still a new show, but you know, it has to be like cream the crop for uh.
2: Like I said, it's got everything. It's got your.
0: But that's what's so cool about the film is because it's so subjective that if it's a flawless victory to you, Mm -hmm. then that's what it is.
2: I also like period films too, like Uh not in like. Old Old West or something like that but like something that's still sort of relatable but far enough away that what was life really like sure sure and although it was terrible (laughs) although it was terrible I think it was a very beautiful representation of the awful life that these people had to endure
0: I mean okay fair enough um Jocelyn gives From Hell a flawless victory I'm gonna give it don't hate me I'm gonna give it a stream city
1: okay
0: you know uh i don't own this one i don't plan on buying it um but it's it's definitely worth a rewatch for sure and um like those nights went for me if i'm drinking drinking my gin and tonics on my own volition and i'm streaming looking for something that's palatable definitely from hell is on that list so it's a b uh uh, which is a stream city for me i'll stream it if um I str- I if it's available it, it's actually, and you don't have to pay for it at the moment it is available on Stars okay. uh, off Prime Amazon Prime that's how I watched it recently
2: right
0: on so I was going to have to go on my Voodoo app and order it that way um, if I had to which is you know, three four bucks or whatever okay. it is it's for like a 48 hour rental
2: alright
0: it's like Redbox from, on your TV essentially so it's it's really convenient uh, it's so
2: cool living in the future <laughs> living in the now
0: man mm-hmm. So, what? Um, any, any last parting words on From Hell?
2: No, nope. I'm just glad I had the opportunity to talk to you about it.
0: I'm glad you were here. Anything you want to plug or anything you want to give a shout-out to?
2: Listen to Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn, and John, I'll see you next time.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for stopping in, Jocelyn. And, yeah, until next time, guys. Thanks a lot. What an awesome discussion. Thanks again to Jocelyn for coming in and being a great guest. And next week, Andrew will be back to chat another Hitman film with me, I promise, this time. If you haven't already done so, follow and subscribe to Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn on Spotify or Apple Music and connect with us on all social media platforms. Thanks again for stopping by, everyone. Until next time, take care, guys.